Hello, this is Alex Granados, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Well, this week is Teacher Appreciation Week, and all throughout the week you'll see profiles of teachers from around the state on our website, but we figured for our podcast this week we should bring you the voice of a teacher live. Uh, so here I'm talking with Mike Zimmerman. He's a teacher at Joyner Elementary School, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself and what he teaches, but first, Mike, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, and so first, Mike, just uh, tell us what grade you teach, how long you've been here, that kind of thing. I teach fourth grade at Joyner Elementary School. I've been here for five years, I think, though it would take me some math. I think this is my 25th, 26th year teaching. Wow, okay. So I'm going to take you all the way back, <laughs> all the way back to the days of college or high school or whenever you first realized you wanted to be a teacher. Uh, take me to that moment. Well, I think it would be a moment of panic after college. Um, I got my BA in economics. I was looking around for a job and realized that every job that I was looking at involved sitting at a desk for the next 30 years. And that didn't seem very appetizing to me. So I thought back about everything that I liked doing. And every time I was picking up a job just for some spare money, it involved kids and involved working with kids. It was either an after school program or a camp counselor or whatever. Um, I figured that Instead of looking for the paycheck, I should look for something that I'd be happy getting up and doing every day. And so I pursued education and got my master's degree and just started teaching after that. And as you mentioned, you've been at it for decades, so apparently you made the right choice. <laughs> apparently so. Only a couple of days a year that I wake up and go, eh, maybe not today. <laughs> I think that's usual for anybody <laughs> in any job. Um, but so, so tell me how you started out. What, what was your first job like? Oh, first job. First job's tough. Um, first job was in Maryland, just north of D.C., at Burtonsville Elementary School. And it was taking over for a class in the middle of the year where the teacher wasn't doing a great job. Um, and so that was walking into a minefield. That was really <laughs> trial by fire. Um, principal was happy kids were great um they just needed some direction and some structure and from that i figured i i could do this that you can make an impact and you can make a change for kids and what they learn and how they do things and what they pursue so that was the start and so i've noticed in talking to a lot of different teachers that usually teachers have a preference you know high school middle school elementary school that first job, was that because you wanted to do elementary school or was it just kind of thrust upon I, you? I've always wanted to do elementary school. I mean, I think from talking to people, I think if you ask what grade their favorite teacher taught, it's where they end up a lot. And so for me, it was third and fourth grade. It was Ms. Weatherman and Ms. Schlote, um, who I can still call out, oh God, 40 years later. Um, and I think a lot of times that's how you choose your favorite age is where the teacher made school fun and interesting and exciting. Well, tell me a little bit more about them. What Beyond making school fun and exciting, what sticks out to the, you about them? The, the funniest thing is they were absolute opposites. Mrs. Weatherman was all full of hugs and love and you can get this. Mrs. Schlote was the shortest woman I've ever been terrified of. Uh, she was probably 4'10", and, you know, 
thin as a rail and she just demanded the absolute best from you. And when I'm teaching, I try to be a little bit of both. <laughs> and so taking the aspects I love from both those teachers and try to bring it into the classroom. So has it always been elementary school for I've you? I've done everything from second to fifth. I've had people who've tried to convince me to go up to middle school, but I really just don't have the interest of going up into middle school. And uh, so when did you come to North Carolina? Came to North Carolina. Also have to do some math for that one. Uh, when my daughter started kindergarten, and she's a sophomore in college now, so that would be 15 years, 15 years ago. And so, as I'm sure you know, education is a hotly debated topic in <laughs> North Carolina. You've been here a while, long enough to kind of see the, the ebb and flow of different debates over time. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you see education having changed in North Carolina in the time you've been a teacher. If I was looking to move now, because the move down here was just totally by choice, in all honesty, I wouldn't be considering North Carolina right now. Um, when I moved down here 15 years ago, we were smack dab in the middle of teacher pay. I moved back to Maryland right now. Um, if I never left, I would be making, a, I, it would be an 80% raise. Um, I check every once in a while, it gets a little depressing, but who knows. Um, with the budget cuts, the system has done everything they can to keep things in the classroom, but we're sitting in a room without air conditioning right now because my system's broken. And a lot of that is because, you know, Wake County, who's a well-off county in North Carolina, we don't have the people to do the HVAC anymore. And we don't have the people to vacuum the room. And parents look and say, you know, it's... Oh, only vacuuming the room once a week or twice a week, that's no big deal, but I've got 26 kids in here every day. We make a mess. It's just the teaching is still there. The education is still going on. The things to make that easier, the things to push that are starting to get cut. And so when I hear, oh, another round of budget cuts, there isn't anywhere else to cut. The, I mean... There's no more fat. The only thing you're going to take now is muscle and bone. And that makes it tough. That makes you th think, why am I still doing this? The parents and the kids, that's the reason why. They appreciate you. They know what's going on, and they support you any way you can. I've taught in schools that are well off. I've taught in schools that aren't. And the support is there no matter what. That support takes different forms depending on the, the wealth of the school. But... The support is there. And so while the political climate has changed in the time you've been here, uh, all sorts of other things have changed. Technology, the way people think about how we should teach children, and that sort of thing. Uh, how, how have you seen kind of the classroom experience change? It, it affects what you can do. And we're getting to the point where there are enough bits of technology in this room in my room that I can do things that I couldn't do before. Um, if you have three computers sitting in back, you can't have groups of eight, nine kids there. Uh, it just doesn't work. But at this point, I can put, on my, put my hands on enough equipment that we can do um, two for one just with partners. That'll let you change your focus a little bit and let it be more student-directed. Um, before, 
when you had to gather all the materials beforehand, it had to be teacher-directed because you had to have all those materials or some lead time when the kids are, are um, when the kids have chosen what they're interested in. Um, now, you don't really need that lead time. So it allows you to have, if we're talking about, you know, um, how, uh, well, one thing that we just did. If you're talking about how um, erosion and changes to the landform affect the environment and things that people can and can't do um, or should or shouldn't do and their opinions on it, we can go look at beach nourishment and how that affected the Outer Banks. We can go grab Shelly Island and what happened with that. And you, it makes you much more nimble to be able to respond to the students' interests and the students' needs. So you've been teaching a long time, so the kids you may have been teaching at the beginning have gone on to other lives. Uh, have you ever had the opportunity to meet any of the kids that you taught? I've seen, I've seen some now and again. I switched in the middle. So all my older kids, the ones that are in their 30s, are up in Maryland. Um, two quick stories. One is I saw last time, not last time, about five years ago, I saw a kid that I taught up in Maryland. He saw me across the parking lot, still knew who I was. I hadn't seen him for 10 years, 12 years, something like that. And he didn't scream, hey, Mr. Z. He didn't scream anything like that. He held up his hands because I taught, he was a child who always struggled with math facts. I taught him a trick to do math facts, the bigger math facts on your fingers. And he held up his hands a certain way and screamed out, Mr. Z, eight times seven, 56. I thought that was wonderful. Um, It still gives me, it still makes me laugh every time I think about it. The other one that I really remember is I saw a parent about four or five years after I had their child in fourth grade. I mean, so they were in just starting out high school. And she came up to me and said, Mr. Z, you saved my daughter. I can do this for 50 years. I got paid enough in that minute. So it's those that you think about. When I get the nice notes and nice letters, I've got a folder of them. Eh, Hard day, you go through that because that's the reason you do what you do. And so what would you say your teaching style is in the classroom now? Two big things. One, kids have to spend a lot of time in this place. So it should be something that's fun. The second one is that kids learn a lot more by doing and talking to each other as opposed to talking, opposed to listening to me speak. So if you come into my classroom, on most days you're going to see a lot of smiles and a lot of kids working really hard, but it's going to be noisy. <laughs> it's going because you're going to have 13 different conversations. All those conversations are going to be directed about what we're learning about. Um, if you go into most schools, you aren't going to see a bunch of kids sitting in desks anymore. And, I wish that the people who made the decisions spent a little bit more time in schools to see what's going on now. Is there anything else you'd like people uh, at home to know about uh, being a teacher, about the education system? I mean, it's just that the community support is there. Everybody who says, you know, 
people aren't supporting the public schools, they are supporting the public schools. Everybody who wants to put uh, a um, thin ice here, but why not? Everybody who wants to put a label on this set of parents or that set of parents, whether that's based on you know wealth or race or religion or whatever else, it's really just not true. I mean, every parent wants their child to succeed, and every parent is doing everything they can to help their child succeed. I just wish that people would come to the school and see what's going on and understand the amazing things that are happening before they pass judgment. That's all. Well, Mike, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, Thanks for having me. We've been talking with Mike Zimmerman. He's an elementary school teacher at Joyner Elementary in Wake County. And I'm Alex Granados, senior reporter for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.